0: This morning I'm going to talk about uh, the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, John's my favourite book, and we're talking about a little bit about the Trinity, which is also my favourite topic of of study. And it's interesting. I, as a young Christian, when I was uh, first reading through the Bible, I was reading, started reading the Gospel of John, and I thought the Gospel of John was written by the John named here. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Okay, I thought, uh, this is the Gospel of John, the one sent from God. It took a while for me to realise that John the Baptist didn't write the Gospel of John. So just in case you were under that impression, he didn't. John the Apostle wrote it, and he's the brother of the Apostle James the son, and the son of Zebedee. Uh, And interestingly, he doesn't name himself as the author of the gospel in the gospel itself. Now, if you compare the uh, gospel of John with the other three gospels, you'll notice that it's quite different. It's thought that John wrote his gospel quite some time after the other three as an addition to illustrate what the others didn't say. So here in the first chapter of the gospel of John... We've got a very different beginning to the other three Gospels. And the portion we'll be looking at this morning is from verse 1 to verse 13. So just a short, short passage, uh, but packed, absolutely packed uh, with meaning. And so it's definitely worth just pondering uh, the meaning of those 13 verses. These verses basically set the whole theme of the book, uh, of the gospel. John here talks about the word, the second person of the Trinity, who is the life and the true light, who came into the world, who came into his own people, but his very own people did not receive him. So let's read. John, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man Who comes into the world? He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood. Nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amen. This part of the word of God gives us the best description of the Son, the second person of our wonderful triune God. And so let's look to see what it says about him. Firstly, in verse 1, we learn about the word. He was there in the beginning and so if he was there in the beginning before the creation he's not created, we know that, or part of the creation. He was from eternity past and will be into eternity future. He did not begin when Jesus was born as a baby. He was and is and is to come. So when we think of the second person of the Trinity, we need to know that he's much more than just the man who came into the world as an infant, lived and died and rose again. He's the second person of our triune God. He's the word. In Greek, it says the Logos. The word was with God and the word was God. To be with God, he had to be distinguishable from God. But then he was also God. Sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? But it illustrates the nature of God. There are three persons in the Godhead, but each truly divine and still one God. So the word was not God the Father, but God, divine, at the same time. Next, John says that all things were made through him and that without him, nothing was made. So that means everything. Everything. The physical universe as well as the non-physical things. Knowledge, order... And the spiritual, everything, was made through him. And so that rules out the idea that that can be knowledge that's neutral. That facts have nothing to do with believing in God. No neutral knowledge. It's all of God. If you believe what God is saying to us here through the Apostle John... Then it changes the way that you see everything. You see, it's not just two plus two equals four, and that's it. It's two plus two equals four because the triune God has made it so. You might ask, does that make a difference? Two plus two equals still equals four, right? But it does. Yes. Suddenly, facts aren't just neutral. Facts have meaning. Knowledge has meaning. And when I was uh, first saved in Japan, um, I started going to a university um, youth study group. And it dawned on me that everything that I had learned, I had to relearn everything. Because suddenly, everything changes. You have meaning behind every fact that you've ever learned. History has meaning. Science has meaning. Everything suddenly has meaning. Facts are not neutral because God is the creator. Let's move on to verse 4. In him was life. Here we're still talking about the son, the second person of the Trinity prior to creation and during creation. But what does it mean? In him was life. Is this saying that the word, as in the second person of the Trinity, was alive? Or is it saying that he was the source of spiritual life for born-again believers? Or is it saying that he was the source of all human life? Although all of these things are true, it's saying that in him was life. He is the source of all life. An ant can't even crawl across the table except for the second person of the Trinity who sustains its life and gives it power to move second by second. So through the second person of the Trinity all things were made and in him was life. Now let's read verses 4 to 11. Again. In him was life And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which which gives light to every man who comes into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Here we're faced with that battle that Rob was just talking about. We're still talking. So these next verses, we're thrown into a conflict between the word, who is life and light on one side, And darkness and the world on the other. Massive battle. Contrasts. In the word was life, and the life was the light of men, shining in the darkness, but the darkness did not defeat it, could not defeat it. John was a witness to the light, shining in the world, but the world did not know the light. The word came to his own, but... His own did not receive him. So full of contrasts there. And this conflict is a constant theme throughout the Gospel of John. Right from the start, John puts us on the battlefield and we're either standing on the side of light or darkness. And throughout John, you see this escalation of opposition to the Saviour. Uh, it, gets, it gets worse and worse and suddenly they're out to kill him. Um, and so this is a general theme that, is, that, that pervades through, through the Gospel of John. But what does John really mean when he says things like light and darkness or life and world? Reading the passage you get the impression that John's using symbolic and abstract words that are really deep and meaningful but difficult to grasp. Can we just interpret them in the same way that today's society does? Can we just naturally understand what John's trying to express? Fifteen years ago, um, a very dear friend of mine uh, in Japan was fatally wounded by a car. And now, when my sister heard how affected I was by his death, she sent me a message saying, wishing you light, Now my sister has a new age belief and when she says wishing you light, is her concept of light similar to what John says about light and its connection with life? No. Her concept of light is totally different. To get a hold of John's full meaning we need need to have a proper biblical perspective of those concepts of light, life, darkness, the world and the word. Let's go back again to verse 1. When the first readers of John's Gospel read, In the beginning, they, and us, immediately think Genesis 1. So, let's go back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void... And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Darkness. Light. Right from the beginning. So before God created the light... It was dark. Pretty obvious, but I think it's important, and I'll explain that in a minute. Here in Genesis 1, before the rebellion of Satan, before the sin of Adam, darkness doesn't mean evil. It just means immaturity and lack of form. But the concept of darkness changes dramatically when sin enters the world later on. Then in the midst of the darkness... God says, let there be light. He, God's first recorded act, was to create light. In the beginning was the word. And his first act was to speak. And light simply came from his word, commanding it into existence. It didn't come from the sun because the sun didn't exist yet. It came from the word. Here in Genesis 1, already light is separated from darkness and it's connected with life and order. So through the word, the second person of the Trinity lit up the canvas, so to speak, so that the angels of God could witness his creating work and glorify him, as it says in Job chapter 30, 38, verse 7. Now that we've got a picture in our mind of the creation in Genesis 1, let's move to Isaiah chapter 40 through to chapter 60, which expand on the theme of light and darkness. They're about the coming Messiah. And Isaiah, in this portion of scripture, describes the Gentiles dwelling in the shadow of death and sitting trapped in darkness as if in a prison. And the light of the Messiah will shine forth justice, salvation, and the glory of the Lord, not just to the nation of Israel, but to the Gentiles too. Now, in Isaiah, darkness doesn't just mean without form, here it means hard hearts, blindness, ignorance of the Word of God, alienation from God, and sin. Let's read one passage in Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42, verses 5 through to 7. Isaiah 42, 5 through to 7. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Now in Isaiah, light means holiness, righteousness, justice, truth, and the glory of the Lord. The world began in darkness And at the time of Isaiah, darkness still covers the earth. But Isaiah prophesies a spiritual global warming, so to speak, a recreation by the light covering the earth and the nations where darkness previously ruled, now filled with the knowledge of the Lord. The light spreads throughout the earth and the end of darkness is prophesied in Isaiah 60. Verses 19 to 20. Here it says, The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God, your God, your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your morning shall be ended the light covering the earth signals the coming of the kingdom of god this is what the very coming of the the coming of the very word of god meant to the jews and this glorious prophecy is what john's reminding them of here in the first chapter of his gospel so let's go back to the gospel of john now that we've covered off a little bit about the themes of light and darkness John proclaims the coming of the true light the word who created the world as the author of light coming to every man in the world a true light that shines through the darkness a light that the darkness could not overcome fantastic isn't that great but if we stopped here, we wouldn't get the whole picture. We'd think, oh, the Messiah's come to the nation of Israel, darkness will be gone instantaneously. But it's a big word that one. But then immediately John says that although the true light was in the world, the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. hang on, this is the word, the creator, the true light, the source of all light, which overcomes the darkness, the Messiah that everyone in Israel was supposed to be waiting for. He comes to his own. He comes to the nation of Israel that was supposed to be the chosen people of God. But they didn't even receive him. They didn't know him. They didn't know him, or in other words, they were ignorant of the light. And ignorance, ignorance of the light is the very definition of darkness. Their hearts were darkened and they were alienated from God. Why? Well, the answer lies here in the first chapter of John. They didn't receive him because they were focused on the world rather than the word. Let's unpack this a bit. Verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Here, world is used three times. And each time, it's got a different meaning. He was in the world. Here it means the place where man lives. And the world was made through him. This is the physical earth, which was made through him. And the world did not know him. Here, world has a much narrower meaning. It means the world of sinful, rebellious men alienated from God. Did you, know, did you know that John uses the word world 78 times in his Gospel? Now, that's a lot. It's almost half the total usages of the word world in the whole New Testament. Most of the time when John says world... He doesn't mean all of God's creation. Rather, John uses the word world to mean sinful man in rebellion against God or people dwelling in darkness, alienated from God. This is the same way that Jesus also used the word world. For example, in John 15, verses 18 to 19, when talking to his disciples, he says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And Jesus narrows its meaning even further, not just to mean sinful man in general, but more particularly sinful Israel in rebellion against their God. In John, again John 7 verse 7, Jesus said he's not going up to the Feast of Tabernacles and says that the world, referring to Israel, hates him because he testifies that their works are evil. There is people, yet they were the same as the world. When they should have rejoiced in the coming of the Saviour, they reacted the same as the world would have and rejected the light and life the very word of God. Isn't that just remarkable? When we think about it ourselves, we think they're the very people who should have understood. They're the guardians of God's word. And they wouldn't receive their Lord. But that's exactly what happened. Rob quoted it this morning, John 3, nine, verse 19. It says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds are e- were evil. Imagine this happening in your family, your children, the very ones who you love, tenderly raised up into adults, provided for, encouraged, guided all their lives. You were coming to see them. You would expect your children to welcome you, but it's this very family, the very people of God, who didn't recognise and acknowledge their God when he appeared. So rather than love the truth... Love the word of God, the so-called people of God chose to love the world. Rather than receive their king and his word, they killed the messengers. And then they killed the very prince of peace himself. You can almost hear the heart-wrenching grief in Jesus' voice on his last visit to the temple before his death and resurrection. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. So what about God's church today? Would the church receive her Lord if he returned now? Are other people of God today the same as yesterday, caught up with the love of the world? We like to think that we're anxiously waiting. For the return of our Lord. But Jesus, when Jesus returns, will we, we receive him? Or do we love the world more than we love Christ? So, brethren, be willing. Demonstrate for your love for Christ in your love for each other, forgiving one another, submitting to one another, as to the Lord seeking the glory of God together as his people to the people of the true light. Now, we often think of darkness as this uh, just nothing, the absence of light, right? Um, And it's sort of passive, doesn't move, and um, it's not aggressive, But is darkness nothing? I think not. Um, Darkness is indeed very strong. And the battle is fierce. There is a battle and it is fierce. There's an example in God's creation of active darkness. It's called a black hole. Um, Now if you've studied um, astronomy and um, black holes, you'll know that uh, light gets sucked into a black hole and if a star travels too close to a black hole it's called the event horizon and when it travels past that point the whole star gets sucked into the black hole and disappears. A black hole is the scientist's definition of black because there is no light. Light can't escape from it it's black and it's active and it destroys but because we have a misperception of darkness as something passive we can't think that we can be affected by darkness but we are like stars we who bear the name of Christ we have the job of shining light in the darkness walking in the light But Christians have to be careful of those walking in the darkness who are consumed by the world and that suck light. Let's not be blinded by the misperception of those walking in the darkness that they're passive. Like black holes, they actively seek to extinguish the light. And we need to pray, brothers and sisters, that God will keep us from the temptation of the world, keep us from deceit, keep us from the wiles of the devil and let's pray that our land here in Australia will be kept from those attempting to destroy the word of God and promote evil. Our leaders promote the strong and they seek to destroy the weak through things like legalising abortion and promoting euthanasia, survival of the fittest, destroy the weak, honour the strong. More and more in our society fool around with witchcraft soothsaying and seek to worship creating things, created things rather than the God who created them. These people promoting this, this wickedness are walking in darkness. Don't be fooled that your children won't be affected. We need to be saturated in the word, saturated with light and be praying that we are not deceived, that we won't get sucked in that the truth will prevail over foolishness. It's a real battle between the children of darkness and the children of light, a battle that's been raging since the fall of Adam. But brothers and sisters, we know how weak we are in our battle, in our personal battle, with our own sin. But remember that God has promised that light will cover the earth and there will be an end to darkness. True light is stronger than darkness. The night only comes when the sun disappears below the horizon. Normally, darkness only expands as the light retreats. It's not as if somebody's transporting boxes of darkness into Brisbane and opening them up. No, darkness will only prevail here in Brisbane If the witnesses of the true light fail to shine that light, God is the light. In him is no darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. How are we kept from walking in darkness? We follow Christ, we follow the word. So, here at Thornlands, we gather together to enjoy intimate fellowship with our Lord in worship. Remembering him in the Lord's Supper and enjoy fellowship with one another. That's how we walk in the light. Remember that in the beginning he created everything. So we, we worship our creator joyfully, fearing him, obeying the word and being renewed in our minds. John says that if we have if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves we know that walking in the light while still in the world doesn't mean that we never transgress never offend Christ or his or his body never slip along the way. Yes we're all sinners and by new sins or the same old sins we continue daily to separate ourselves from the from our God. But even though we offend our God and sire our weakness against darkness, if we confess our sins to him and to those we've sinned against and are united again with him in the body of Christ. For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For in him is light and life. He came to give us life. Shine the light of the world amongst ourselves. Shine the light in his church and the darkness will recede. Shine the true light here in Brisbane Garrison of God's army and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And lastly, we can be confident confident that the light will cover this land because it's not by our own strength that sinners are converted. John 1 verse 13 says that the children of God are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, not of our own will, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's God himself who is the author and finisher of our faith. Christ through his resurrection as the light of the world has already achieved victory once for all over darkness. Jesus said, In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Amen. Mm -hmm. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you for the word the word who was made incarnate and became man we thank you for our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ who came who lived a perfect life a righteous life who suffered for our sins died and was buried. We thank you, O Father, that he was resurrected from the dead and he overcame darkness. We thank you that we can live in him and have life and life abundantly. And we pray that through your spirit we may be alive, going forth to serve you Obeying the word who is life and light, in whose name we pray. Amen.